All right, welcome back. Welcome in. This is LOTL, and this is episode 104. And on tonight's episode, we're talking about the Browns' new uniforms. That's right. Uh, the boys uh, give their opinions on everything brown and orange and uh, what the players will be wearing this year. And uh, we give our opinions on uh, which is our favorite and uh, which ones that we don't like. So we get into that. But most of all, this episode is dedicated to one of our favorite television shows, The Office. So we get into uh, different topics, our favorite episodes, our favorite characters, our most underrated characters. We talk a little Jim Pam dynamic. Uh, we talk about uh, you know some cringeworthy moments within the show, um, our, our uh, moments that got us into watching the show, and uh, we uh, talk about all that. So uh, with that... Uh, we started off with the beer of the week. Let's do it. Welcome to Living Off the Land, the All Things Cleveland podcast, with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. All right, guys, beer of the week time, just like every episode, and getting pretty normal here with our virtual setup. Um, everybody's got a different beer. Hopefully, they are good, like they always are, Cleveland beers. I'm actually going to go first before we go around the room, because I think I usually go last, but I'm going to be selfish this week. Um, so I have a beer that we've never done. Uh, I think I have a brewery that we've never done, because uh, uh -huh. they don't can their beers. Uh oh until now um so i was able to find their beer at a uh local beverage store warren warren beverage on warren road right by my house it is from working class brewery which is right up the road by my house it is their wing walker wheat ale oh very good i've had that before tasty um yeah so it's a uh <clears throat> summery beer for sure Really good, um, and like I said, was able to find their beer on uh, at a uh, beverage store. So saw it when I was looking for my beer this week. Got it, cracked it open. Tastes just as good as if it was off the tap. Um, and I think they are just doing this for the time being. I don't know if they're going to be permanently canning these. Um, this is that Warren Beverage, right, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. It is, like I said, it's a wheat ale. Wink Walker is a traditional style German Hefeweizen. Wait, uh, can you say that again in your accent, please? Oh, you mean the Wink Walker is a traditional style German Hefeweizen? There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, really, really good. I enjoy it. It's one of my favorites at Working Class. I'm glad they canned it. I think they canned a couple other beers uh, during this time, maybe like one of their IPAs and something else, but. I didn't see them at Warm Beverage. This is the only one there. So um, didn't really have a choice, but uh, I really enjoy this one. So Wing Walker from Working Class Brewery. That is my beer of the week. Nice. Go ahead, Jordan. Me? All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I 
miss brunch and I miss going to get brunch with my friends. So I got a beer that reminds me of brunch. It was what part of the, yeah, it was part part of the uh, the big pack o platform I got. So it's a platform beer called Mimosa. Um, it is technically, I think it's a type of cider, uh, which I don't normally, I don't normally like, but this yeah. has like orangey flavors and I like it. It really legitimately kind of tastes like a mimosa. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sparkling mimosa spiral by platform. Uh, it's a great day drinking beer, although it's good for whenever it's about 4.1%. Um, and yeah, it's a type of cider. So <laughs> I'd recommend it. It's not one of my favorites by any means, but it's tasty. It's it's something different, that's for sure. Hmm. Okay. Very good. Um, I can go next. I have Saucy Brew Works uh, IPA ASAP. Um, I haven't had this one yet. I think I've been kind of going on a streak where I want to try everybody's just IPA, and I don't know what my favorite is. I don't think I've had fat, what's Fatheads. What's their ads would be strange magic or uh well I did Head their hunter. hop juju last week. I don't Head think hunter would be a, but yeah, Headhunter Head is their like standard IPA. Then they came out with strange magic last year. Yeah. yeah. I think Headhunter might be my favorite. So uh, anyways, this is uh first time I've had this. I've been on a saucy brew works tear as well. Uh six point three. Um big fan. Love the packaging. Good job, boys or girls, you know, whatever you identify as. Uh, at Saucy Brew Works, we will shout you out. And, uh, yeah, so, Dan, can we introduce our uh, guest, if you want I mean, to? It's your guest. Go ahead. Uh, okay, I'll bring ask him permission on. for me. I'll bring him on. <laughs> so, uh, I know you can't see this because it is an audio recording. So, I have my bud from middle school, I guess. His name is Jonathan Terry Hopkins. Uh, he is an avid Boston fan. And he is here joining us on the podcast for the second time, I believe. Is that right? Yep. Second time. So welcome, Johnny. Good to have you back again, sir. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's definitely a pleasure. So what beer did you bring? Cleveland, I hope. Not Boston. Yes. I I actually was debating on getting a Sam Adams. Sam Adams. (laughs) But. Dude, I love Sam Adams. I thought, you know, I'd surprise everyone. I am wearing all Boston gear. But I feel like the name is pretty fitting. Uh, it's platform Cleveland that I love. Um, nice. You know, I, I had never had it, and I was intrigued by the art. I know people at home yeah. can't see it, but, I mean, it's like neon colors, and you can see, like, parts of Cleveland in it. It's just really cool. Um, it's 7.5%. Um, I really don't know how to review this because, honestly, this doesn't taste a lot different than, like, a Rheingeist. Is that how, is that how you use it? Like, the sense yeah. of Yeah. yeah it right. does, uh, to me, at least, it doesn't taste a lot different than a beer like that but i mean it's i mean i i like it jordan what 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 kind of beer is the land that i uh land that i love that i love if i remember i thought it was a type of ale but let me double check. yeah i mean yeah, seven, it's, a red, it's a red ale it says oh red ale okay oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah um yeah no that's a good beer platform puts out solid stuff um that's a solid one for sure yeah 7.5 percent. that's uh yeah it's hefty this podcast goes on long enough we might we might uh be in some we trouble might we might see we might we might see oh you johnny oh yeah i mean the the boston hearted johnny might come out uh <laughs> yo i gotta say johnny i am a huge sam adams fan <gasps> oh i love um, it 
Yeah, it's. I think they're one of the better OG breweries. I also really appreciated. I don't know if y'all knew that they did this, but they were giving money away to Ohio uh, bar or like service industry workers as well. Uh, they did it uh, a few weeks ago, so they seem to I be. A decent, yeah, they did a. De- they seem to be a decent company on top of making top notch beer. So well, that's good. That's good to hear. I mean, because well, yeah. I always enjoyed their beer. Well, it's because they're owned by Budweiser now. Sam Adams isn't. Oh, not Sam Adams. I thought you were still yeah. on platform. My bad. No, yeah. So Sam Adams is actually one of the last independent super breweries. Uh, they're still independent. That's hard to believe, honestly. I wouldn't. I mean, they're like a corporation themselves, yeah. but but they're technically independent of any other like super corporation or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're big out east. I mean, that, when you mm-hmm. go when you go to Fenway, that's like the only beer you can get. <laughs> so. Dude, even at Progressive, nothing beats just a Sam Adams Boston Lager at the ballpark. Oh, like, I usually go for Cleveland beers, but that that's so good off the on draft oh, yeah. at the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, okay, enough of the Boston love. <laughs> no, there's no Boston it. love for disgraceful. Me. <laughs> yeah, we already have to deal with enough Houston trash. That's true. Right. We can't have more than one opposing city. It's yeah. Tough. What is this? Um. Well, anyway. Uh. Getting into that, usually we're in all things Cleveland podcast. There really isn't anything to talk about uh, for going on in Cleveland, whether that be sports or events or activities, anything going on, festivals. Um, we do do our beer of the week every week because we can still get it. Um, but there is one thing going on in Cleveland, and it happened yesterday. And uh, we're going to get into that for a couple minutes before we get into our broad episode topic, doing things a little bit different Uh this week and if you follow along on our social media accounts at the lotl podcast you can probably tell if you're following us today what we're going to be talking about but uh i would be remiss if we did not uh at least for a couple minutes chat about the cleveland browns uniform reveal yesterday um so uh, we've all seen it uh i know everybody knows jordan's not really a cleveland sports fan uh, but he has an opinion on it. I'm sure Johnny has an opinion on it too, even though he's not a, uh, you know, he's a Boston sports fan. Uh, and then me and me and Jimmy are trying to hold the fort up here. But <laughs> I uh, think this might be one of the first times we have two uh, non-Cleveland sports fans on the podcast at the same time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, you can you can uh, call me a Browns fan, which I am. But when it comes to Knowing and having like knowledge on anything <laughs> Browns related, that's where I kind of lack. So. The Cleveland podcast, and I'm literally by myself. Like, <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 I'm Cleveland, but come on, look. Now. And I, I, yeah. I would like to just go on record and say that I was born in Cleveland. Like I, I do support the Cleveland teams. Like my family resides in Boston, so that's kind of where it is. I'm more, you know, supportive of the family. And it's like your dad grew up in Boston, teaches you about sports, and that's kind of how you become so adapted. Yeah. But I do support the Cleveland teams. It's just that when the like teams like the Cavs are doing really well, it's hard for me to be so out about it because it's like, dude, you're you're a Boston fan. Shut up. So it's like, you know, I do support them. I want them to do well, but I I've never like broadcasting it out there. Yeah. You would get so much crap growing up, exactly. whether it was middle school or high school about it, right? Well, Oh, the, yeah. one, the one question I do have that I can't uh, can't let go um, before we get into this: uh, Are you a Bucks fan now? Ohio State? No. You know what I'm talking? I mean, yeah, about. I, I don't. I don't really have any sort of college like. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about Buccaneers. The Buccaneers. Oh, 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 I, oh, um, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> so, um, 
I I obviously will always support Brady. I I hope he does well. I wouldn't mind if I saw him win another ring, but I yeah. am not anywhere near a Bucks fan because of this. That Brady is not my is not why I was a Patriots fan. So, but uh, okay, I hope I, he does. Well. I, I I actually respect that because I have uh, I have friends who are from here have no relation to New England or Boston or whatever who were uh, Patriots fans. And uh, now they're Bucks fans because yeah. they just follow Brady. It's like it's yeah. like the people that follow it's like the people that follow LeBron all across right. the country. And that's that's it's crazy that you brought that up because I was just gonna say that. I mean, I've seen that so many times with yeah. wherever LeBron goes, and I've, I've so many Lakers fans have come out of the woodwork. I don't know because I hate yeah. the Lakers. Oh, of course. Yeah, you hate the Lakers about as much as I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> wow um okay so anyway before we get off track and uh we have a two and a half hour episode um browns uniforms go around the room since i'm the only one who really is a browns fan and really cares <laughs> i'll get your guys opinions first and then i'll give you my opinions real quick so whoever wants to start it off uh johnny if you want to go first you're our guest sure i i like them i i like the traditional look Personally, I haven't really been a fan of the the whole new look that the Browns have been doing in recent years, especially like I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about like the bright orange ones that they were trying out for a little bit there. There was most it was mostly just jersey sales, but then they I never really saw them wear them. But um well, I wasn't a huge fan of them, but I like them going back to the traditional look that they used to have and while still keeping it fresh with a futuristic alternative look to it. But I'm a fan of it. I, I think that it's good for the franchise to have a, a jersey that pays homage to the past. I can go because I'm not, you know, a Browns fan, um, which <laughs> I am. I just fan, said, you just, yeah, you're a fan. I just don't know. But whatever that so, means. So, yeah. no, so here's the here's the right. thing. Here's the thing with Jimmy, and I don't I don't blame him for not being a really brown like big Browns fan. You know, like Johnny, you guys are like, you know, 21, 22 years old. So when you guys were born, it was 1997, 98, you know, whatever, somewhere around there. The Browns literally weren't a team. And mm-hmm. the since you guys have been alive, the Browns have made the playoffs once, have never won a playoff game. And only had a winning season one other time. It's kind of hard for you guys to root for a football team or be invest like like Jimmy roots for them, but he's not like invested mm-hmm. in them. But yet, yeah. Dan, it's crazy because in the 2010s, they're still and I and I've said this for years. They're still the most interesting football team to me because every oh. year there's something to be so excited about. But they're they've just been stuck in this endless cycle. But like every like draft day is like Christmas around here. It's crazy. Yep. And yep. It's just so interesting. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Gone over just a release. They always, they always create news. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So you know, I've said time and time again, I wish we would have an MMA segment because that's where my knowledge comes in. But it's fine. We do every, we do every once in a while. Every once in a while, that's where I shine. But it's whatever. Yeah, it is. Jordan hates it. That's why. (laughs) Whatever. I don't Um, hate it. I don't hate it. MMA. I just don't know anything about it. Okay. Just like I don't know jack squad about baseball but anyways let's keep going um i couldn't name two players on the indians uh anyways let's keep going so the uniforms <laughs> i was talking to dan about this yesterday wasn't a huge fan of the brown uh and like the orange lettering um i know there's like the color rush i guess they would look okay on game day um those are probably my least favorite but as johnny said 
I love the traditional uh, look. They pay homage to the classical style. Um, it looks good. looks clean. And I was talking to my dad about this too. I was like, dad, did you see the, uh, I think a lot of, you know, my dad's 60 years old and I bet almost any 60 year old would say the same thing. I said, Hey dad, what do you think of the uniforms? He's like, what, what happened? <laughs> I was like, they released new uniforms. He's like, Oh, they look the same. He's like, they're the same colors, right? I'm like, yeah. well, you know, different patterns, different lettering, blah, blah, blah. The typography might be different. He's like, oh. He's like, well, as long as they win, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Uh, Jimmy was speaking about the, the all-brown uniform, and uh, I told him I think that it's going to look so much. First of all, because of this COVID-19 thing, they couldn't have – players model the jerseys so they had a team employee model them and the jersey didn't exactly fit right (laughs) so it doesn't look as good in like the team like the social media pictures or whatever but somebody uh cropped the new brown jersey on jarvis landry like in a game Mm -hmm. and this is what it's gonna look like like in a game yeah and i said it looks better like that looks like to me that's i mean they're gonna wear that like once a year but Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw a similar picture on OBJ. It looks sick. Yeah. I just think the brown and the white pants and then the white jersey with the brown pants, that looks so sleek, so crisp. Yeah. I love it. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Even though it reminds me of uh, my childhood when we sucked and I didn't know, I couldn't keep up with which quarterback. You know, Johnny was spoiled with Tom Brady for his whole life. So just the yeah. whole shit show. Now, well, now he's got Brian. Now he's got Brian Hoyer. Shout out. Uh, shout out, Brett. Shout out. <laughs> for the third time, right? The third time we signed him. Hey, for the third time, Cleveland boy. Third time's a charm. Cleveland boy with the Patriots. There you go. He knows the system. They'll trust him. Yep, that's right. And Stidham. Who? You think it's going to be Hoyer or Stidham going to be the starter? I was I was reading that they're they're leaning more towards Hoyer, Hoyer uh, to start it off to see how he does, just because he's I think he's been around long, obviously. Um, yeah. But I I honestly have no preference. I wouldn't even mind picking up someone like a Mariota or, or if we could get Newton somehow, like I wouldn't mind doing something like that, but yeah. I mean, what do I know? I mean, I, I trust Belichick more than me, obviously. Right, 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 right. Um, I, I only brought that up cause there's a Cleveland tie in with Hoyer, but, um, right. Yeah. So, uh, Jimmy, did you have any other thoughts on the uniform? <laughs> I mean, I kind of sided with my dad, you know, like they look great. I, I like the I like how they went back a little bit to pay homage to the classical look. I just want to yeah. win games. I just want to yeah. win games, you know. So as if we can look good doing that, then more power to them. Yep. Jordan, what do you think? Uh, they look good. They definitely didn't screw them up or anything. But I mean, they're in reality. I ju- they're just fixing what they did screw up a few years ago. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But they did a good job. I love the stripes on the on the shoulders. Um, I really love the color rush uniforms those are still my favorites um i understand a lot of people especially og browns fans are going to want to see the original color scheme and that's fine it doesn't look bad it looks good uh now now, now those ones those are you talking about the one that they just came out with or the one from last year because they are different no no i mean the ones that just came out they came out i'm saying that of the of the new set of jerseys my personal favorite is still the brown on brown Okay. okay, but I know a lot of people are gonna be the the more the brown top and white pants or whatever, like the yeah. whatever the traditional browns look is. Yeah. Um, I know this is controversial. I hate helmets that don't have logos. Um, personally, I would like to see a logo on the helmet, but I know that's like against Browns lore. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, anyhow, 
but no, they look good. I think that's about as good as you're going to get for a, a rebrand or should I say going back to the roots rebrand or whatever yeah. the term right. would be. But now, Jordan, looks great. what logo would you like to see on the side of the helmet? Uh, I would put, I, I would put e, probably the, the bulldog. I think that's cool. Not I another helmet. helmet. <laughs> yeah, another helmet. helmet. I would not put a helmet on a helmet. No. Helmet, would be like Inception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> helmet and a helmet. Every every helmet just has a tinier helmet. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. I um. Yeah. I mean, I. We'll we'll disagree on that, but we're not going to argue over it because it doesn't matter. But, um, I I'm almost to the point where if the Browns ever put anything on the helmet, I'll stop being a fan of the team. That's dramatic. But. A little bit, <laughs> a little because because for, well, for, first of all, they don't. First of all, they don't have a logo that that would look good on the helmet. Like I love Brownie the Elf; it would look terrible on the helmet. Yeah, um, like you said, a helmet on a helmet. I can't do that either. Uh, and bulldog. then that stupid that stupid dog logo, huh? You got to do the bulldog. That looks sweet. Yeah, but the stupid bulldog logo that they came out with when they did the jerseys the last time. Uh, looks like a cartoon like i'm not gonna like we uh we at work called it the pound puppy <laughs> because it just looks like something like in a in a children's book or something so not as bad as having a dolphin on the side of your helmet yeah but i mean like that's at least tastefully done like i don't know I, and also they because they've always had that yeah exactly like the Browns have never had a logo on the helmet. So, but imagine if there was a team. Imagine if Miami didn't have a logo, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna put a dolphin on our helmet. People would be like, what are you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that, that wouldn't that wouldn't be good. But but again, I, I I think that would still make more sense than the Browns because like the Browns aren't like yeah we 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 treat ourselves like we're dogs and we have the dog pound or whatever. But technically, that's not like like Browns. It's a person. Like it's Paul Brown. Like the dolphins are the dolphins, and that's their logo. So we put his yeah. face, or maybe uh, his skull. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Put Paul Brown on the on the helmet. <laughs> yeah, see, like I, I this is completely out of left field, but I always kind of viewed that which you're talking about, Dan, is like how Manchester United they don't technically have a name because that's not really how soccer works. Yeah. But the Red Devils is their nickname, and they actually have the Red Devil on their patch. So I don't know, but again, I understand. Yeah. Putting logos on a helmet is against yeah. Brown. And, and, and that's know, that's like, that. yeah, that's that's their uh, that's like their crest. Like if like if the Browns right. were to come up with a cool like crest, like maybe. But the Browns really don't have a logo because they're named after a person. So I don't think it's right to put anything on the helmet. But anyway, uh, for me, I love the uniforms. Uh, I was a little bit weirded <laughs> out by the stylistic change in the number font. But that's that's just me just like overthinking and looking at it. Um, but I, I love them. Um, I am fighting with myself over which one I want to buy. Like who I'm fighting between Baker and miles Garrett. I've whittled it down to those two. So we'll see, but what color? Um, yeah, I really like it. I never wanted them to change five years place. And when they did change and I saw them, it made me want to throw up. I thought those jerseys were absolutely hideous. The Brown Jersey with the orange numbers, with the white shading and the orange stitching, it just, it was freaking terrible and then them having the word the word mark browns down the sides of the pants it looked i mean it looked like a high school jersey not one of the most iconic franchises in nfl history you know given the fact that they haven't won anything in 25 years but 
Um, they do still have <clears throat> eight championships, but um, yeah, I I really like I liked the uniforms before they. Um, so I'm glad that they went back and they didn't try and like double down and go futuristic again. Like I, I'm happy the fact that they went back. They're like essentially as a franchise, they admitted that they made a mistake and they went back to what actually worked. I think like when the new owners came in and they bought the team, they wanted to like change up the uh like the bad karma of what's been going on like 15 years previous when they came back so they're like let's revamp the logo let's revamp the uniforms let you know fresh air whatever but it ended up being up worse because we went one and 15 then oh and 16 in these uniforms so they needed to get back as soon as possible so i really like them i i at first when i first looked at it i did not like the brown on brown the color rush but it's already grown on me i really like it Especially after seeing that picture of Jarvis and the um uh like superimposed picture of him playing last year. Um I think it's gonna look better on the players, like actually on game day, like you know, once they're on the field. Like I said, with the having to model it with a team employee, you don't really get to see like a form fitting, like good looking jersey that they probably designed it to be. So um, I think they'll look even better. Um, I do think they're going to introduce orange pants. I don't think those are all the uniforms. Uh, the owner of the Browns was on their radio show yesterday, and they asked them. They're, they're like, yeah, everybody seems to love them on social media, but everybody's asking about orange pants. And he got real coy, and he's like, hmm, I didn't even realize people liked orange pants. That's really interesting. Um, you know, maybe we'll just walk out of the tunnel one game, and we'll be wearing orange pants. You know, who knows? So. They're they're trying to be coy and they're teasing that there's going to be orange pants as well, which if they're going back to their roots and their history, the Browns like always had orange pants in their uh, color wheel. So um, that'll be interesting. But I think I think they they hit a home run with these jerseys going back with little subtle tweaks. So I really I really like them. I really enjoyed them. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to win. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, that's, right. the, that's the only thing. And the other thing I wanted to, and this is kind of stupid, because A, like, who cares? And B, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine the Browns being, like, deep in the playoffs and going to a Super Bowl. But I could, I could never picture myself seeing the Browns win a Super Bowl in the jerseys that they had last year. How ridiculous they looked. I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. But who knows? They'll probably still never win a Super Bowl anyway, but. We can dream. 500, baby. I would be disappointed if they went 500 this year. <laughs> Come on. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, right, that's enough Browns talk. I'm not a real fan, remember? Yeah, that's right. Not a real fan. <laughs> I'll dare you. All right, let's, uh, let's transition into it. We are going to be talking about my opinion, and I'm sure uh, some of yours as well, one of the greatest television shows uh in the history of cable television network television netflix and all that we are going to be talking about the office that is the focus of our episode this week we're going to be talking about the office for the remainder of the episode so we're going to get into our favorite episodes we're going to talk about some of our favorite characters some of our favorite moments uh one liners you know we're going to be talking a lot of Michael Scott, Jim, Pam, Jim, Dwight, all that great stuff. 
Um, so what do you guys want to do first? Should we just get into our favorite episodes? Well, do it. yeah, I, yeah. Do you want to do that or do you want to, yeah, let's do that. And then I, after that, let's talk about how we first started watching the office. Cause I'm curious and I want to hear everybody's stories. That's fair. Let's let our visitor, our guest go first, Johnny, if you got your <clears throat> list. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't, it's interesting that you brought up like when we first started watching the office. Cause I'm, I didn't even give that any sort of thought. I think it just randomly happened, but, um, yeah. So my top five, I'll start at number five. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about combining the two Niagara episodes. That's fine. Jim and Pam's wedding. Yeah. Okay. So I can combine them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cause it, but if I had to separate them, I would pick the second one because it's just so heartfelt. You know, you got forever by Chris Brown in there. It's just an amazing <sighs> compilation of everything that goes on. Great episode. I love it. Um, four, this is also a two-parter, but I just picked one stress relief part two. <laughs> Um, because of the roast at the end. And it has one of my all time favorite, um, moments where Michael is throwing whole pieces of bread to try and feed birds. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my all time favorite. Oh, moments. Yeah. Is that where um, he goes? It's so uh, subtle. It's so subtle too. What's that? Is that where he's, uh, is that where he's on the swing and he goes, I'm okay. No, I'm not. Wait, is that is that stress really? I'm trying to think. I think that a different yeah, one. It might be a different one. It might be. Well, that's the one I was intending. The one where he roasts people and the one where he um like he does the roast and then he comes yeah, back yeah. and yeah. he yeah. is like feeding the birds and he's just throwing whole pieces of bread and then oh, he comes, Yes, exactly. Yeah. That one. <laughs> that might I that might be stress relief. I don't know. But um anyway, to continue. Number three, game-changing episode, uh, completely changed the whole momentum of the show and the dynamic of characters for me, was Casino Night. Yes. Oh, Absolutely yeah. love that episode. Mm-hmm. That's season two, right? I believe so. Yeah, Jimmy, that, that's also another like one where when Ryan and Jen get to that, they're going to be like, okay, we're in. Exactly. And we'll yeah. talk more about that later. There, there's just yeah. certain episodes yeah. where you're introduced to different like perspective or different themes or different relationships where it's like, Oh, it's not that dry anymore. You're more invested, but yeah. anyways, go ahead, there's, an, there's a really interesting thing about uh, Kevin. I'll bring up later too, that they reveal in that episode. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's funny that you mentioned like the dry humor, Jimmy, because I personally was hooked on that immediately. So my number two episode is actually the second episode of the series and it's diversity day. Yes, that like the dry humor and like the subtleness and like just the totally just outlandish and racist comments. But he's like not intending to be racist was so hilarious to me. (laughs) And I was hooked immediately after that episode. And we were honestly talking about that episode yesterday, too. Yeah, Yeah. you were saying just the times were different and you can get away with stuff like that. Yeah. So 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 it wouldn't work now. Yeah. So the office started on NBC, right? Like. And that was the second episode. That was in like what, like 2005. If the Office were to start today in 2020, there's no way that that episode would be run on NBC. There's zero chance. I feel like it would have to be. It would have to be like a cable show, like FX or something. Right. Yeah. Um, Or even like, or even like, you know, it would be like a show that like Netflix uh, created, like like Ozark. But see, the thing that's crazy, and not to interrupt, I'll I'll be real brief here because we'll talk about this later. But the thing that's crazy about the Office is. It was so like boundary pushing in some ways, 
but it also wasn't just trying to be raunchy just for being the sake right. of raunchy. So that was a fascinating little balance they had going on. You know, and the, yeah. the, it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, again, my favorite thing about that episode is how raunchy they are. But the characters are just they, they're so they don't know that they're being raunchy. Like Michael right. and Dwight, they don't know. They think that they're genuinely saying like facts and they think that they're not being racist and the whole point of the episode is michael trying to like diversify the office and and Mm. appreciate diversity meanwhile he's just saying ignorant horrible things the whole time (laughs) and and by the way i meant to say this before which really isn't necessary because the show's been out for years but if you haven't seen the office and you like (laughs) to do so don't listen to this episode because there will be spoilers oh yeah we should have jen and ryan yeah so jen and ryan if you really don't want to be spoiled because you somehow don't know what's going to happen uh don't listen to this episode or fast forward to the very end because that's all we're talking about so throw that in there spoiler yeah go ahead so my number one favorite episode of the office and i don't know if anyone's going to have any similar answers i hope hope that but I don't know. My number one is Dinner Party. Oh, yeah. My all-time yeah. favorite episode. It's it's so funny to me. Every, it, to this day, I can't watch that episode enough. It's so funny to me. Can I ask almost, what your favorite part almost, is? Almost, wait, almost even as funny as that episode is the bloopers to that episode. You're right. You're right. <laughs> when, when, when Michael shows him his 21-inch plasma screen yeah. TV and pushes it into the wall like two inches and Jim loses his mind, <laughs> it's one of the funny like i like that more than i like the actual episode but yeah it's so i feel, to, I feel to like your question jimmy i think my favorite part of that episode is when they are actually they're like having the dinner itself after they've, after they've waited like three hours for it and they're having the <laughs> dinner themselves and things just start spiraling out of control and things are just so awkward for the guests because of just the subtleness between Jan and Michael and like how they won't, they, they, they end every sentence with babe. Toward each other, but they're trying to like put on a front that they're these great hosts and then they start fighting and things just take a turn for the worse. Whoa, I think that, that like the climax of that episode and then Dwight shows up randomly when yep. he wasn't invited. Like, it's just hilarious to me. I think one of my favorite parts of that episode is when they show up and she's like, all right, I'm going to start making dinner. And they're like, <laughs> oh, you haven't started making dinner yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and the um, part where Jan brings up the the broken glass door. There's like tarp oh, over and yeah. she <laughs> runs through it because oh, of the nice cream truck. And we, we, haven't nice even, cream truck yeah. we haven't even forgotten <laughs> the, the, the little, what, 10-inch TV or whatever yeah. that he had. The the soup, the $200 TV. <laughs> I just love how like when Jan just immediately is just done with the situation, she just runs over to her like little stereo that she has in front of, that she has in front of everyone. And she's just listening to her intern play that song and just like vibing by herself in the corner <laughs> cringeworthy moments um okay so that was number one yep that was my top five i can go real quick i'll be brief um so it's kind of hard to put these in an order i just picked five um but we'll start with uh number five i guess um basketball the, uh season one episode five the basketball oh, yeah. game <laughs> yes. how, how iconic which an when you were talking about diversity day and how there's like subtle racism and not even subtle, just explicit racism. Um, when uh, Michael's like, Stanley, you in or something? He's like, now why would I be in? Like, why yeah. would I play? He's, oh, he's, he's, he's um, reading off the starting lineup and he goes, Stanley, of course. And Stanley, of course. 
Why, Excuse me? Why, of course. <laughs> it's just so oh, – It's, uh, it's so funny that you say that because we were literally just quoting that episode while we were shooting hoops the other day. <laughs> I was going to say, every single time, like once this quarantine's over, I'm at the rack, we're playing pickup or whatever. Every time I shoot a three, I'm just going to scream, three! <laughs> what is wrong with me today? Uh, all right, number four. Uh, I actually watched this the other day, and I forget the actor that's in it. Uh, the client where Jan and Michael uh, meet with one of the city directors or whatever who's um, responsible for the paper supply, and they go to Chili's, and they're supposed oh, to go to the Radisson. Yeah, they're supposed to go to the Radisson. I forget Michael that dude's name. It. I forget. He's on SNL, but um, it really shows – I think it's really good at showing the two sides of Michael, just how insanely irresponsible and immature he is. But then also he like segues it to um, closing a deal, like very, um, I don't know, just very uh, creatively. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they hook up Jan and Michael at the end of the episode. That kind of starts the whole saga between them. Uh, number three, I have Threat Level Midnight, the actual yes. show it all. Yes. Ugh. Nothing better. That's a forgotten one. That's a forgotten one. I don't even have to explain that. Just go watch it, please, because I I can't do it justice. That might change my list because that's that. That would probably have to crack my list. It's so good. I I don't even want to explain it. Just go ahead and watch it. Uh, Number two, night out. This when Michael and Dwight go to New York and party with Ryan (laughs) while everybody else is stuck in the office and they work late and uh, they get locked in and they can't get out. And the episode ends with um, <laughs> the episode ends with Toby awkwardly rubbing Pam's knee, and people are like, "Yes, <laughs> when, Jim, when Jim is sitting the right there, and he, he's like, I have to go, and he hops the yeah. fence and runs home." <laughs> <laughs> Dwight keeps uh, calling like the, the um, what's what's his name. What's the show? Oh my god, I can't remember it. There's a midget or PC term, a uh, little person. Uh, from what's the show? I, what? Like isn't a, he from, he isn't he from like Lord of the Rings or something? Yeah, or Lord of the Rings. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Hobbit? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, Lord of the Rings. His buddy, yeah, Ryan's buddy Troy. Troy, yeah, he keeps calling him up. Oh, doesn't he keep? <laughs> doesn't uh, when he's at the party? Doesn't he keep calling the women's basketball team Amazons? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like yeah. They like they like all walk up and Dwight like looks at him. He's like Amazon. <laughs> and Ryan just keeps going to the bathroom. He's like, man, he just keeps going to the bathroom. I don't know why. <laughs> Doesn't he say like something about his prostate? Like, don't you have prostate? prostate <laughs> and then yeah, number one for me, I combine the episodes as well. The two Niagara uh, episodes, just so hard to beat, especially when you go through all the. Um, just turmoil and the frustration with Jim and well, Pam. they won't there. Yeah, yeah. Just the frustration for the first few seasons. So that's my favorite by far. So Definitely. There's yeah. my top five. Dan, you want to go, or do you want me to go next? Yeah, I can go. Uh, all right, where's my, I got to find my list? I had it written down. Um. All right, so I. <laughs> Full disclosure, uh, I didn't make a list until like 10 minutes ago. Um, so mine's in no particular order. These are just like the ones that pop into my head first that are like iconic to me. Um, so for me, Scott's Tots is definitely oh, on my list. Oh, that's <laughs> so crazy. The episode where uh, Michael oh. Scott, 10 years previous, 
promises oh. to pay for a school uh, school classes college tuition, and then they read about it in the news, and and you they're in the lunchroom, and Stanley goes, he starts just busting out laughing. He goes, "Has it really been ten years?" Oh man, that, <laughs> and then that's they go a... they go into the school. I think it's yeah, it's Michael and Pam go into the school, and the kids do like a. a uh, rap for him. I don't know if it's is it like based off of like Bad Boys or something. Hey, Mr. Scott, what you gonna do? Oh, what you gonna do? Make yeah. our dreams come true. You yeah, know, they do like a little song or whatever. Like yeah. sing that. And Michael Scott, he's just like he's just like sitting there, Looking like going dead. over in his head what he's gonna say to these kids, and like <laughs> I'm assuming wetting himself. And then he gets up and he starts he starts talking. He's like, "Well, I'm not gonna be able to pay for your college education." <laughs> and they all just like look at him like what? And then he's like, "But you don't need to be at school to go to school. Online courses are like the hip new thing or whatever. And uh you can do these online courses with your very own laptop." And the kids are like, "Okay. Maybe the school was too good to be true, but you know, if we get a if we each get a laptop out of this, it'd be all right." And he's like, and what would laptops be with without batteries? And I have one for each of you. And they just freak out on him. <laughs> and he has to like run out of the of the classroom. And the one kid walks up to him outside and he's like, That was that was messed up, Mr. Scott. And Mr. Scott, and Michael's like, he feels bad or whatever. So he's trying to think of something he could do. So he agrees to pay for the kids' books. And he's like, How much are they? Yeah. He's like a thousand dollars. Oh, okay, thousand dollars a year. It's like what? <laughs> it's like four thousand dollars. So he, so he writes them. Uh, he writes him four thousand dollar checks. He's like, don't, don't cash these all at once. And then he's like, uh, can you wait? Uh, I got to move some, move some things around. Uh, so that was one of them. I love Scott's tots. That, that's one of the most cringeworthy episodes I think ever. Uh, I, th- I, I think I think you could say that's the cringiest episode ever. It's up there for sure. That 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 like ten minutes where where he's in the class with those kids is oh god the longest ten minutes of any TV show you'll ever watch. Yeah. Um. Let's see. The Dundies season two. We talked about a lot about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is like the episode where like you get through season one. It's really awkward, and you're like, man, am I am I going to be able to watch this? And then you get to the Dundies, the first Dundies episode, and it's like, okay, it's kind of hitting its stride right now. So mm-hmm. get some uh, drama. that's definitely on my list. Uh, I think Casino Night was mentioned. Beach oh, yeah. Games. Beach Games, Beach is, games is really high on my list. My favorite part of that entire episode is where Andy falls into the lake with his sumo suit on. <laughs> Yes, and, and then he just floats away. And then later in the episode, Michael's talking, and you just see Andy floating in the lake, and he's like yelling, "Like my name is Andrew Bernard. I'm with a group called Dunder Mifflin." Benny Hanna Christmas. Oh yeah, next on my list. That 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 episode probably is the episode that I've watched the most, and it's another cringeworthy, almost kind of racist episode. <laughs> I hate calling it racist because it like makes people like I don't know it might might turn people I mean, off from the show if they haven't watched it but uh, like when he it's, they bring yeah, back, it's, it's satirical but yeah yeah the, they bring back the uh, uh, the waitresses and he marks one of their arms because he can't tell them apart <laughs> and then he tells Jim about it 
Oh, um, yes, 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 yes. He's like, I, I, mar- I marked their arm. I marked her arm. I remember this. And um, like, he gave yeah. her, the one had a bike or something, I remember, or he gave her, her bi- a bike or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 His used bike. Yeah. Um, but the beginning of that episode, uh, he's all excited for the Christmas party and everything. And uh, Carol, this is where Carol breaks up with him because he uh, superimposed his face over her ex-husband's on their Christmas card uh, skiing. So Carol breaks up with him because of that. And then she leaves and Michael goes, uh, Michael goes, uh, Christmas is canceled. And Stanley goes, you can't cancel a holiday. And he goes, keep it up, Stanley, and you'll you'll lose New Year's. And Stanley like <laughs> says something smart back to him again. And he goes, Dwight, Dwight take uh, New Year's away from Stanley. <laughs> is that where you uh, asked her to go on the vacation the sandals all inclusive yeah vacation? sandals yeah that this is where like he, he she like she like is gonna break up with him and then he's like well, i got something that'll cheer you up i got two tickets to uh sandals jamaica and he goes it's all inclusive <laughs> and then she breaks up with him and then at the end of the episode he ends up taking Jan, which is to the episode of uh, the blown up picture that uh, Michael emails. He thinks he's emailing to Todd Packer, but he emails it to packaging at. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I absolutely uh, love uh, how Michael treats Carol because it's terrible. But yeah, <laughs> it's his I love how that's his actual wife in real life. Right, I know. Right. right. And I just love how like that's easily his most cringeworthy relationships. And he's been in some pretty cringeworthy relationships. I'm sure we'll get into it, like Pam's mom. Oh. But oh, um that's easily for me the most cringeworthy because like he tells her to like wear a costume to the costume party and it's not a costume party and she dresses up oh. like a cheerleader. Then he proposes to her after like the third date. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's so funny to me. Um, too many cringeworthy moments to count. Uh, conflict resolution is on my list. This is where uh, Michael mediates a uh, Dwight and Jim uh, role play, where Dwight has to make the call and Jim is the customer, and he answers the call and he goes, uh, "Hi, I'm uh, Bill Butlicker." And Dwight goes, <laughs> "Really? That's your real name?" He goes, "How dare you?" <laughs> Um. <laughs> so they keep going, and he's like, "You got to talk louder. I can't hear you. You got to talk louder. You got to talk louder." And Dwight eventually just goes, "Butt liquor. Our prices have never been lower." <laughs> <laughs> and then he hands the phone to Michael, and Jim's like, "You know what? I like the sound of your voice, Michael. I'm gonna buy one million dollars worth of paper products from you." <laughs> he goes, "But you have to fire the salesman that treated me so poorly." <laughs> And Dwight's like, don't do it, Michael. Like thinking that it's serious. <laughs> and Michael covers the covers the phone and he goes, but it's a million dollar sale. <laughs> uh, oh, I think God. that's four from me. <laughs> one last one. Whoops. I'm trying to think of something different. But I really can't. I gotta be true to myself. Dinner party is the best episode of The Office of All. It's it's so good. I just, you know, Glad we agree. I, I can't, I mean, I can't really add uh, much to it other than a uh, little subtle part at the beginning when Andy and Angela show up and Andy goes, Tuna, nice to see you. Then he looks over at uh, 
He looks over at uh, Pam. He goes, you're probably sick of tuna, huh? You're having tuna every night for dinner. He gives Jan the flowers, and then he goes, except one flower, pulls it out, and gives it to Angela for my flower. And Angela's just like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I also love in that episode how, like, it's you don't really think about it, but it's so cringeworthy because – Michael pulls oh them all God. out to the garage to try and get them to like invest in Jan. The whole part, the whole candle. part of the dinner, yeah, the whole part of the dinner party was to get them to invest in Jan's candle company. <laughs> what was, oh, the, that's right, what yeah. was the company called? Serenity, Serenity by, by Jan. <laughs> yeah, and let's well, not even forget about how Michael gets them suckered into coming to the dinner party in general because, like, he's so. I, I remember oh, he says something. Yeah. Like, Jim and Pam have been dodging him, and then like he somehow gets them to yes. like. He says, "Oh, I'm busy." They're like, "Oh, we're free," and he's like, "I was just kidding. I'm not busy." And then like, yeah. he gets them to come. I forget the exact dialogue. Yeah, he gets, but it's well. Then when we're when they're there, and um, Jim's like, "Oh, I got a call from my landlord. My apartment's flooded." And he's like, "Oh," he's like, "No, that's fine. Just tell him." Or he's like, "You can always get new stuff, but you can't get a new dinner party." <laughs> then <laughs> right. doesn't he like mess up he's like he's like well my apartment's uh, my apartment's on fire and she's like you said it was flooded yeah. something like that. yeah <laughs> yeah no she, yeah she <laughs> uh yeah he goes i'm fire and pam goes flooded oh, flooded yeah flooded gotta go <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love how pam all pam sells out jim because she doesn't she uh above everything else will not be left alone there She's like, uh, Jim, you can get a new apartment and new stuff, but you can't get a new party. <laughs> and then the most iconic scene of that entire, which we've talked about, is the is the TV episode where he just talks about. It. He's like, I love this. I love this TV. It's literally an eighteen inch TV. That right, right. That I just want to know like how many bath. takes that took. That were going so like I'm a stand here staring at it for hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> when they when they're playing, uh, what's the is it charades or gas or something or whatever? And mm-hmm. Jim uh, intentionally, obviously, uh, screws up to get Michael all wound up. So he's like, uh, yeah, he plays Mission Impossible. <laughs> Jim goes, Katie Holmes. Ah! Michael's like, ah, he, she's married. he's married to Katie Holmes. Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. So that's uh, for more for better or worse. My list. I know I didn't go best to worst or five to one, but that's a good number one though. I, it's definitely close for mine as well. All right, Jordan, what you got? All right, I'll burn through these. Uh, number five. These aren't necessarily in order. It's really hard for me to to pick five episodes that are my favorite. So uh, number five is drug test. Um, I picked this episode because it has one of my favorite scenes in it where Michael's the whole time they have to all get randomly drug tested and yes. the whole time. He keeps making excuses why he doesn't have to get tested. And he makes this whole thing, how he writes all these drugs on a board. And he was like, I hate drugs so much. I'm so anti-drug. I don't need to be tested. And one of the drugs was hookah. And yeah. And totally. Like, that's not an illegal <laughs> drug. He's <laughs> like, well, that's not a drug. He goes, uh, yes, right. it is. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so but my absolute favorite scene in that one was when he he, he talks about how he 
they do those little fake interviews and he was like uh i was at an alicia keys concert <laughs> and some girls passed over something and i smoked it <laughs> and i just thought that was so funny that's one of my favorite lines in the whole show yeah um, I, some girl with a lip ring yeah that, that's yeah that's what it was yeah mine mine on that one is when uh jim convinces white that uh jim's doing the interview and uh he basically oh, yes. convinces, he basically convinces dwight that dwight smokes a bunch of pot <laughs> how much pot did you smoke yeah it's like uh now how could you remember that marijuana is a memoryless drug yes yes oh there's so many good scenes no 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 you told me we'd be get, i'd be conducting the interview now how much pot did you smoke yeah and then yeah and then not to mention how he switches p with dwight's <laughs> oh yeah and he hangs out what is he a volunteer deputy or something yeah, yeah. I don't know, something volunteer like sheriff's deputy and oh, yeah. I, I, I love I love when he's setting up the cones around the half-smoked uh, joint. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, sheriff's deputies. He volunteer sheriff's deputies. It is my duty, volunteer duty. <laughs> yes, right. yes. All right. So that was number five. Number four is the return. Uh, this is funny on a lot of levels. You you learn that the office did have to take some uh, measures to. Uh, fix the wrongdoings that Michael had done to insult Oscar. Uh, and I believe that was referencing one of the other episodes where he accidentally outs Oscar for being gay. Yep. Um, anyhow, so Oscar gets a little package and, but it's good because Oscar's back and I love Oscar. And also though, uh, Dwight, this is, if I remember correctly, this was the episode where Dwight was working at Staples. <laughs> and then, and then, and then uh, he has to, uh, Mike has to go back. Mike has to go back and convince him to come back to the office. And it's a funny scene. Um, it was just one of my, it's one of the better episodes, in my opinion. Uh, number three is dinner party. We already talked about that. So I'm not going to go into any more detail. Number two is stress relief. Uh, so I real, realistically, this should be number one, but number one's number one for a reason. But number two, this is very close to being number one for me. This is actually the episode that got me into the office, believe it or not. And I'll talk about this more a little bit later. So I don't want to dive into that too much but this is an this is an iconic episode uh many people reference it there's a lot of scenes from this episode they get referenced uh, there's just so many funny parts about stress relief um and it's a two-parter so i'm just going to count them as one but mm -hmm. uh, i think probably one of my favorite scenes was when uh when stanley has a heart attack and then michael's like panicking and he's like He's like, Stanley, Barack Obama is president. I just thought that. Was, you are black, Stanley. I just thought that was so funny. Just, Isn't that I, when he's shoving his wallet into his mouth? Something like I don't even remember. <laughs> something like that. It was so goofy. And then Angela throws one of her cats up to like, and for Oscar, like goes climb like during the fire scene where which Dwight started. Oscar was like climbing up in the roof, and Angela throws yes. her cat for him to catch, and he misses, and then the cat just goes flying. There's just so many great scenes. Um, now, now, Jordan, help me out because I put stress relief on my list as well, but I think I might be getting a little confused, or I'm just remembering it poorly. Is stress relief the one where he does the roast at the end? Like, I know it's a two part series. Is one of them the one where they do the roast? No, uh, I know what you are referencing, but it's not stress relief. Um, here, uh, that oh, was so. So Johnny, Johnny quoted the wrong episode. I must yeah, have, it's, because that one, that one's actually called 
Uh, I think it. Oh wait, because it's two parts. No, it is. No, you're right, dude. That's the second part. My bad. Yeah. Because I, I, I yeah. the way I remembered it yeah. is like everyone hates Michael. Everyone's stressed out yes. by Michael. Yep. He, his resolution to that is. All right, we're gonna roast me. You can say whatever you want, you're, like no holds bars. Yeah, you're 100 so percent correct. I, I all so you, by it. Yeah, uh, so yeah, you, Johnny you actually were, was you, right. You were, you were right, and I, okay. I, I was thinking more. I'm thinking more of episode one, which is my favorite. But you're right; that's a great episode. Hilarious, the whole roast. You're right; that's the second part. Sorry, right. um, <clears throat> yeah. I just hope I find it along the way. <laughs> all <laughs> right, and then number one for me would be the convict. It has my absolute. I can say with confidence that this is my favorite scene in the office, which is the whole prison Mike scene. Um, it, I'm prison Mike. Yeah, I I, I, I quote. You know I, call I, me prison Mike? I I probably you can ask Teresa and all my and other friends. I probably say tanks every single day <laughs> just because of this episode. What what what? Thank and you, I Andy. Say, Tanks, <laughs> tanks, <laughs> and I, I say the dementors, the dementors flying around, <laughs> sucking your soul. Like I, I say that all the time. Like there are so many things. And then when he, when he, when he, when he, when he looks at Ryan and he goes, "And you, my friend, you would be the bell of the ball." ball. <laughs> <laughs> then he goes, I, "Don't I, drop the soap." <laughs> I then I, I, I love how Jim, Jim's like. Where did you learn all this? And he's like, the internet. And he's like, so not prison. And he's like, and prison, city, city, boat. I just think it's so funny. I don't know who wrote that. I don't know how Michael just executed that. So whoever, like all the people that are involved in that scene should be given medals and gold, gold bars, Bitcoin, whatever they want, cash. It's just, it was such an iconic scene. Uh, it's my absolute favorite episode. <laughs> Great choices. Yeah, absolutely. I want to figure out who wrote that episode real quick. The convict. Because a lot of times it's, uh, it was written by uh, Ricky Gervais. Oh, um, no way. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Genius. Yeah. Steven, Steven Merchant. That, Name sounds familiar too. Is he? That, that does sound yeah, familiar. A lot of like these, was, yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of these uh, episodes were written by the characters themselves, which I find really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm Paul Lieberstein. Lieberstein. That's Toby. Uh, Toby. He wrote. Yeah, he wrote a lot wrote, of them. He wrote Stressful Relief. Um, yeah. Yeah. Casino Night was actually written by Steve Carell, which was yeah. I, I found yeah. out while doing research. I was like, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it, and, and like, I don't know if people know this, but like Kelly, uh, I, I forgot, uh, Mindy, what, what's Kelly's Mindy, character? Mindy, Mindy something. Right? Kelly Kapoor. No, but like her real, the real, the actresses. Oh, um, shoot. Mindy, it right? Is Mindy, Mindy, Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Yeah. Her and, uh, uh, Ryan's character his, or whoever plays Ryan. BJ Novak. BJ Novak. They wrote tons of episodes. Yeah. Like, tons yeah. yeah. Episodes. Right. It fell off when they left for a little bit, in my opinion. Right. 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 Um uh, an episode that I forgot to mention in my in my list but it would be like an honorable mention is when is the I don't, I don't remember what it's called. I forget what it's called, but it's the episode when uh the one right after he sells Michael Scott Paper Company back to Dunder Mifflin mm -hmm. which starts with this iconic scene. It's Britney, bitch. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the the fact that 
the fact that he thinks he's listening to Britney Spears when it's Lady Gaga. Oh, that's and, right. I forgot. And, and that's also that and that's, that's also the one where he's trying to parallel park and he has literally 50 feet of room and he backs he backs into the car behind him and he's like, "Nope, not going to make this one." And he just drives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Yes. Oh, about when he's part of the Michael Scott paper company and just has like this non-existing parking spot every day that he just crams his car into. Yep. <laughs> Which which leads to another episode that I that I really wanted to put on my list, but I forgot about. It's Cafe Disco. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. When yeah. he when he still ha- he still has the lease to the room, but he doesn't know what to do with it, so he turns it into Cafe Disco. And the whole episode, he's trying to get uh, everybody down there to dance and drink coffee or whatever. And Phyllis is the one was like, "Oh hell, I'll do it." And then she throws her back out, and Dwight <laughs> decides to take care of her, and he treats her like he's she's a, one of his horses. Yes, yes. <laughs> Like when he feeds her a carrot, she tries to get up off the table and he goes, whoa, girl, whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he takes scissors and he cuts, her, he cuts her shirt. She's like, Dwight, what are you doing? He goes, oh, don't worry. This, this shirt wasn't doing you any favors anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's just oh, way too many episodes to talk then, about. And then oh. for they're like dancing scenes are overrated and kind of a cliche in movies and TV shows. But they executed one of the most believable and genuine dancing scenes at the end of that movie that I think I've, or uh, that, that episode that I've ever seen, where they're just all dancing at the end. But it didn't feel like a TV show. It literally felt like Michael convinced all of them to just dance and just pretty genuine for right. a few minutes. Right. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the episodes right before when uh, I think Johnny and Jimmy mentioned it in their list was uh, Niagara, where Jim and Pam get married. Because they were supposed to go off because they didn't want anybody in the office like coming to their wedding or whatever. They were supposed to go off to Ohio and just get married in like a courthouse or whatever, get a marriage certificate. And Dwight finds it on the fax machine. And he's like, there's only two reasons why uh, people would go to Ohio. Get married. And I think he says something like avoid a crime or something. (laughs) Yeah. So. But I was going to say, there's just like way too many. I, we could do this all night, but I oh. think I want to start talking about. Um, I know, Jordan, you mentioned the first episode you saw was the um, uh, stress relief, right? Mm-hmm. Just that scene, or you saw the commercial of it. Um, yeah. I'll just how we all, that. just kind of how we all got started watching it. I can like yeah. tell you what my first impressions were. Um, I think Johnny was exposed to this too. It was in high school, it was a class called DECA. Uh, it was marketing class, yes, and there was there were some days. I think it was like every Friday or every Thursday where it was just kind of a chill day. We didn't really have anything going on, so she's like, you know, we can learn about business, so we're gonna watch The Office. So she put on <laughs> a random episode of The Office, <laughs> and I had no, yeah. I never, huh? I was. Gonna, uh, that's probably how I got into it too. Yeah. Now, that, now that you mentioned, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, and I never watched the show before I heard of it. I always saw like little clips or I saw clips of Dwight and I thought he was the most obnoxious character I've ever seen. I'm like, this is the dumbest show. I'll never get into it. And I watched a couple episodes. I think I watched the fire uh, in like season two or whenever that is when Ryan starts the fire. I was like, Ryan started the fire. I was like, all right, this is okay. But if you watch it like right in the middle, like my sister was talking to me about this too. If you start that show right in the middle of the series or whenever it may be, you're not going to get it because you really don't know. Yep. The dynamics of each character and i was like eh, this is okay i don't know and then i don't know when i got got into it but it was around my junior year of high school i got my wisdom teeth out and i watched 
two full seasons and I didn't remember almost anything because I was just so drugged up. I had like whatever pain meds, but yeah. So I think it was about, I was 16 and I was hooked favorite TV show of all time. But I think initially I hated it and I was like, there's, there's no way, there's no way yeah. I'll get into this. Yeah. I'll go next. If you're done. Uh, Jimmy. Yeah, no, go for it. So yeah, for me, like I, I, anyone who knows me knows I'm probably one of the pickiest people when it comes to comedy. I, at the time, really, I only liked the Simpsons. Uh, that just means he doesn't get a lot of it. He's not picky. Just no, doesn't. no, I, I get it. I just don't like it. I, I like the Simpsons, Futurama. Uh, I occasionally watch Family Guy stuff. I really only watch some goofy cartoons. There really wasn't any TV shows. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to see anything. So when I was old enough to see stuff, I was just like, huh? I don't like any of this. So long story short, um, I was watching the Super Bowl. I don't remember which one it was, but the one where they aired the the trailer for um, uh, whoa, I'm blanking out the stress the, relief. Stress, stress relief, yeah. yeah. And I just remember, first of all, I remember that being a good Super Bowl. Second, I remember everyone in the room was just laughing their their butt off, and we were just like, "What is this? This is so funny!" And my one friend's like, "Dude, it's The Office. It's a good show. You should watch it." So I remember thinking, "All right." So I watched it like. If I remember, I watched it that night and uh, live. Like after, I think it aired right after the Super Bowl, if I remember. And I was like, okay, I was like, this, this, this is funny. I don't know, really, I don't really get like all the jokes because I don't know all the characters, but I was like, this is funny. So I, I figured out that at the time, this is pre Netflix and all that, of course. Um, they would air reruns on the WB network. This is when I lived in Michigan. And so I was like, oh, cool. So they would just go in order. And I jumped in, and I think when I started watching the, the reruns, it was somewhere around season three. So I just watched it straight then to what, what you know to whatever they had, and then I started watching it live on NBC from then on. Um, and I didn't actually see season one until a while later on another WB run. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, if I had seen season one, I don't know if I would have watched The Office because the first few episodes are rough. However... I still enjoyed them. And by that time, I had already started to understand the characters. And season one gave me a better understanding of some of the things the characters were doing and saying in the later episodes. So that's kind of how it started for me. And once it came to Netflix, I just was like, all right, this is awesome. And I ran right through it. I've probably gone through it eight, ten times, eight or nine, ten times. And I do I do it every probably a couple times a year. I'll go through the whole thing. It's so much fun. It really is. It really is a, a a fun ride. It's emotional. It's hilarious. It's believable. And even the parts where it's not believable, you don't care because, you know, you suspend your belief for that little bit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> Great episode. I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll go next for me. Um, I hated the show originally. Interesting. Um, this all started in like college. I never watched it when it was out on TV. Pretty much never watch it uh, because I originally got introduced to it uh, by being shown season one. Never seen any of the show at all previously. Just got thrown into season one. And I'm like, what in God's name is this? <laughs> and I, I say this all the time to like. You know, there isn't a lot of people still that have never seen The Office. 
but like to people that I do run into or talk to that either have had bad experiences like I did at first or literally legitimately haven't watched it. I always tell them start in season two, never start in season one, watch season two and then start to go back. Cause you do have to watch season one as cringeworthy as it is because like there are still a lot of quotable moments in season one. Like Johnny talked about diversity day uh, and uh, Jimmy talked about basketball. Like those are, those are two iconic episodes, but like, it's very like the, the first episode, like that's the one I was shown because my roommate in college, shout out Brendo, he would he would show it to me. Uh he would try and get me to watch it all the time. It was his favorite show. And uh he would always start with the first episode. I'm like, what do you what is this? What do you what what is going on? Um, so I'd never watch it, never got into it. Michael didn't like Michael Scott. And then for whatever reason, I think he was watching it one random night in our apartment. And it was the Benny Hanna episode, and I mentioned it in my favorite episodes. Yeah. I saw that, and I was, <laughs> I, I watched it, and like the start of it is when Dwight brings in the goose into the office, and he wants to butcher it in the office, <laughs> and Toby tells him no. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of funny, whatever. But then when Andy, Dwight, Jim, and Michael go to Benny Hanna, <laughs> and Dwight has to sit away from them, so he can't hear them, so he keeps like leaning in front and in back of the uh, people that are in, in between him and the rest of the group. And he keeps going, Jim, Jim, what is she saying? What is she saying to the waitress? And Jim goes, oh, um, she's trying to explain how to correctly butcher a goose, but she's having trouble uh, remembering it. What she's not saying that, but, you know, Jim's effing with Dwight. So uh, Jim just goes, Cindy, Cindy, waves his arm. You got to hold its neck back, insert the knife below the jaw, Bring it all the way around. There's going to be a lot of blood. You're going to want a bucket underneath there for all the blood and the innards and the feathers. And she just gives him this blank stare. And I swear, I don't know if I've ever like cried laughing that hard from a TV show. Like that was the scene. I was like, okay, all right, I got to watch this show. And I've watched Benny Hanna easily more than any other episode. Really. So that wow. was that was for me. I got shut, and then and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna bite the bullet, and I'm gonna start it from the beginning. So I went back, and even though I had seen it already, I watched them all from the beginning. And this is when it was on Netflix, so it was easy to just to binge them. And they're only 20 minute episodes anyway. So right, um, got through it. Got through uh ep- season one, and then as soon as soon as season two kicks off with the the original Dundies, it's like okay, I'm I'm hooked. Like I can't. I can't stop watching it. And it legitimately that show, like we were we were just I don't know if we talked about this before we started recording, but like it's hard to find a bad episode of that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was before we started recording. So we hadn't so Johnny, you mentioned uh uh the farm with uh yeah. Dwight, like in season nine or that that episode, which was supposed to be like the precursor to a Dwight spinoff. Right. And right. I agree with you. That was that was kind of a weird episode, but I, I, yeah. in my opinion, I think it's the worst one. I think that, that they were be- trying to set up too many things, and I think that they were already in the midst of a season that was kind of like half and half. Like fans were split because Michael's already spoiler, right. Michael's already gone, <laughs> and you got like Andy and Dwight like leading the pack here. So they're trying to give Dwight his own show, and we're introduced to all these Dwight you know situations and plots that we didn't know we needed or wanted. <laughs> right. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. want them at all. So the only, I, I'm just not a fan I, of that episode, I, and I know I, a lot of like critics agree. 
I think the thing too, Johnny, is like my issue with seasons eight and nine, and I don't think they're terrible. I just don't think they're good. I don't think they're the best yeah. of the seasons, but I still enjoy them. But the problem with them is I think they tried to really make Andy some yeah. like central figure and they, and they really wasn't like, yeah. like they, I agree, Dan. They screwed his character up because that there was a time where his story, his arc was like yeah. kind of kind of coming to full circle. He was like, one of my favorite characters for a oh, while, and then they like turned him into this, this like like douche. Well, yeah, they tried it, to rehash Michael, is what it exactly. was. I mean, yeah, he was this, yeah. He was this yeah. Cornell, like smart Alec, but he had anger issues. But then, like, there's episodes where he doesn't even know how to pronounce chlamydia. He's like, What is yeah. this chlamydia? Like, no, yeah. he's a Cornell grad. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. he would know how to pronounce you, that. You know like, what's crazy? That's too? A Michael botch. You know what's too yeah. crazy? You know what's crazy too, Johnny? There's another episode where Michael is talking about sexual diseases, yes. and he like he like is like <laughs> smart about all of it. He's like telling everyone like stuff about it. And I'm like, okay, did they really not do their homework? And whoever wrote that episode and realized, hey, Andy isn't a doofus. He's actually intelligent. He's a dumbass when it comes to like social things. Like, he's he's not dumb when it comes to like spelling words or things. No, like, they, they completely tried to turn yeah. him into a Michael-esque character yeah. and it, I feel right. like it just ruined him because I liked right. him for like when he first became manager like my first experience watching the show I was like okay cool like he's gonna be leading the helm here like I'm cool with that like yeah. but then when he just went dumb I guess when you're a manager at Dunder, Dunder Mifflin you should <laughs> become idiot. dumb but speaking of you know speaking of dumb and, and Johnny I mentioned this and I want to opinion uh, the, the evolution of kevin was very frustrating for me because I, I love kevin and and the first three four even five seasons he's a great character he's like a great character and uh in the casino night episode you yeah. they reveal he's a very 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 good casino he's got a gambling uh, addiction yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but he's also good at it he plays in a band he can sing he can play the drums so and, and there's even a yeah, and they even make a joke when Holly comes around where she thinks she, she thinks he's like slow or something, but he's like, oh my god, he's like, and, and it's really funny. But like, but but they they were all they were still getting at like, no, he he's a little dumb, but he's not like actually right. you know mentally challenged. Uh, and then somewhere around like season seven, eight, and nine, he becomes an actual idiot. Yeah, and and he it doesn't make any sense. Like he doesn't know how to do anything. Like he literally can't even like use a calculator at times. And and I I find that so frustrating because his character was such a fun and interesting character, and then they just ruin it. I think in the last yeah. Few seasons. And I'm gonna go back to what you said earlier about how like you know it's a it's a believable show, but then there are episodes and parts that aren't believable. But you just get to a point where you don't care because you're so invested. Right. And that's kind of how it is for Kevin with his fans and with fans of The Office in general is like, at first, it's believable that someone could be that dumb and just lack common sense and can, you know, just right. have so many dumb one liners. I mean, that happens. I, I You meet people like oh, that. For sure. Your life. But for sure. by the time that, you know, seven season seven and seven and eight and nine come around, um, he's it's, it's just gotten to this point where you're so invested in the characters that you don't even care how dumb he is. You just expect it and you want it at this point because that's how he gets his laughs. One of my favorite quotes from Kevin from that Casino Night episode. <laughs> so you talk about him being stupid and how, you know, that evolution of him being like somewhat of a normal guy to just complete idiot. He says, yeah, I won the 2002 2500 no limit deuce to seven draw tournament at the World Series of Poker. 
So yeah, I'm pretty good at poker. And then he proceeds to lose to Phyllis. He goes all in and Phyllis just somehow gets like three of a kind or a full house. It's a full house. And he's like, Oh, and, he goes, and then it, yeah, it goes suck. back. It goes back to him, and he goes, "I suck. I suck." <laughs> yeah. Oh Wait, man, Dan, I, I actually uh, wanted to comment for a second. If you go ahead, it's funny that you 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 talked about how you start with season two, and that was how you kind of got hooked onto it. But I was a little bit of the opposite that I noticed because, like Jimmy said, yeah, we were introduced to it in school and in our DECA class. And, you know, I saw it. I, th- I thought it was kind of funny. But what I really got into it was season one because I had never seen a show. Like, all my favorite shows preceding this were, like, Friends and, like, these wholehearted comedies where, like, everyone has redeeming qualities. But in season one, people like Michael have no redeeming qualities about them. Every single yeah. episode is just cringy, and he never makes up for it. Like, even that one where, like, the healthcare at the very end, like, he's promising them this great surprise, like, he just doesn't do anything at the end. Like that type of stuff made me cringe so hard. I'm like, oh my God, I love this humor. Like <laughs> yeah. he has no redeeming qualities. Will yeah. he ever do anything right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh I, I definitely I agree with that now. Like I can like I I've watched through the office like ten times. I uh, like I never skip season one now. Right. Right. Like at right, first, right. I don't know what it was. It was probably the cringe factor. I mean, um Jimmy's sister and boyfriend are going through it right now and like they've been sending me like like as they're watching it the other night they were sending me message like messages like (laughs) ryan was like i had to like get up and walk out of the room during diversity day (laughs) like that's how like cringe cringe and i I, i'm I'm assuming that was what i said even the first episode when michael was like imitating hitler and stuff like (laughs) was that that the episode where was that (laughs) <laughs> was that the was that the very first episode was that when uh michael films that like video and he goes uh uh what does he say he goes if you are no this has to no this is diversity day too it's when he goes uh yeah if you are a ra- abraham lincoln once said if you are a racist then i will attack you with the north <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know what, you know what's funny too about season one is, I actually, I still, I, I can't say season one's my favorite by any means, but I definitely enjoy it now. I love cringe humor. I've always loved it. Same. And and like I and I and you know Dan can attest to this. There's not many comedies I actually find funny. Like I just don't. I don't know why. I, I struggle enjoying a lot. He doesn't of like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I don't think that's funny at all. Um, hmm. but like. So anyways, but the, but the office hit a spot with me where everything about it is funny to me. And uh, some of it was like, I think if we've all had a job, you can identify with a lot of the drama and a lot of the conflict. And oh, yeah. yeah. I, how many times have we had a conversation where we're like, oh, do you know, uh, you know, Oscar from the office or Jim from the office or, you know, whoever, Angela from the office. Yep. That's this person where I work. Yep. Or that's that person. Um, and I just find that so funny how many times we do that where we'll be talking about a, a coworker, whether they're weird or rude or annoying, and we'll be like, Oh yeah, you know Angela from the office? Yeah, that's her. And you're like, Oh, okay. And it's like there's this weird universal connection for viewers of the office that we can all, all have. Um yeah. and so yeah, but I, I think cringe humor is great. And it definitely hits its stride in season two and three, as we've said. 
and they still keep the cringe, but it, they don't just focus on the cringe, which if you've seen the, the British office, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's like, season one on steroids like it's 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 interesting it's not it's awful but it's yeah it's it's not awful but it's it's a whole different ball game for sure and ricky Gervais, ricky gervais is a genius so i don't doubt yeah. it I, I, it's yeah. gotta be oh, clear. and the fact that he still had a huge part of the american office is awesome because he kept well, it I, there was there was story. that uh there was that one episode that he was in where he met michael at the at the elevator yeah. <laughs> say that and uh, he, he's like uh he goes Comedy, it's it's where the mind goes uh, to tickle itself. <laughs> That's what she said. And Michael, like, he's like, oh, and he just goes like, hug him. Yeah. he's like, oh my god, you're my best friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you know, too, Dan, I want to talk about about like that and he, scene. And also, also, he uh, he reintroduces a uh, 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 ping in in that scene. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I want to talk about that scene because he and. Ricky have a Ricky's character have a conversation where they're like, hey, you know, we make fun of people and other races, but we don't mean it or whatever. They kind of like say they mean it in a they're trying to like, right, you know, give them props. Or yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's that's a fascinating scene because I it, there's an interview with Michael or uh, uh, wow, Steve Carell, where he was asked about Michael's character. They're like, look, Michael's character is kind of controversial, whatever. Like, what do you think about Michael's character? Like, is he bad? Is he dumb? And and he had such an interesting um, response. In so many words, he was like, look, Michael doesn't understand social taboos. He doesn't understand political correctness, but he really does want the best for everyone. And he really does love everyone. He expresses that poorly and he misunderstands the, the point completely many times, especially with race gender things like that but if and, 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 <laughs> but if you think about it he's never actually rarely is he trying to get at someone or hurt someone's feelings he's trying to actually oh oh you're indian let me talk like an, a stereotypical indian person and that doesn't make it right but his heart isn't in the wrong spot exactly he's trying to be like oh i'm gonna talk like your people stereotypically talk with, and 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 he's doing it in a in a good in a with a good heart. It's just it comes off terribly because yeah. he has no social social graces and he can't read the room. I mean, I that's, found that that's, that's that's really <laughs> evident throughout the whole show. I mean, yeah, how about how about when uh, he can't? Speaking of him not being able to read the room, how about the uh, date Mike episode? Hi, I'm date Mike. Oh <laughs> yes, I when, love like, that episode. When, when he is, when he is absolutely hitting it out of the park with this girl that Pam tries to set him up with, but he doesn't think it's a date. He just think it, you know, they're out with their coworkers, employees, whatever, at like this Dave and Buster's type place or whatever. And then uh, Jim spills the beans and basically tells him like, yeah, we set you up on a date. And he's like, really? He's like, all right, be right back. He goes out to his car to get that, that beret or whatever he's wearing. And then he un undoes his, button on his shirt and he, he he turns to the camera and he goes hi i'm date mike nice to meet me don't forget he puts on the kangaroo hat back. <laughs> yeah that's why I'm, like the beret yeah, kangaroo yeah. hat or oh, whatever yeah yeah i, yeah. I yeah, that's right yeah. so yeah. so I, I don't remember what it's called so i know we like i said we just keep talking about like i this could be a four-hour episode easily so yeah. um i do want to bring jimmy's up a topic. The, jimmy's the keeper of the time so yes i do want to bring up a topic um we can all go around um, or just have a casual conversation. Doesn't matter. 
your favorite office character and your most underrated office oh, character. God. Oh, God. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. Jimmy, yes. you go first. Um, My favorite, it, I mean, it's, I want to say Michael Scott. That's the popular. I'm going to say Jim Halpert just because I feel like, first of all, great name. Great name. And I just followed that whole dynamic <laughs> with him and Pam the entire time. So invested into him and you feel for the guy because we all have had, you know, some crush or whoever it may be. And, you know, things just never worked out or blah, blah, blah. So you feel for the kid on that level. Um, and just all of his pranks with Dwight. He's, I don't even have to make a case for Jim. I think people would agree with me. So he's my favorite character. And then the most underrated character. <sighs> Sometimes Toby just makes me crack up. Like what I mentioned earlier when he rubbed Pam's name. <laughs> I, I have to go and he just sure. the friends. He's like the Scranton Strangler. Yeah. What's that? He's the Scranton Strangler. There's another conspiracy <laughs> theory we could talk yeah, about. Right? You know, yeah. yeah. But just, I feel like with Jim and Toby, you can relate to them on different levels. We all have that awkward side that Toby just completely embraces and that completely embodies. So a lot of us have a little Toby in us. A lot of us have some Jim. So that's my reasoning. So, uh, Johnny, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I have a feeling I know who your favorite is, but get ahead. I mean, it would be so easy to just say Michael or, or mm -hmm. Jim. I, I think that, honestly, just from a viewer standpoint, my favorite is Dwight, just because every single time he's on he's on the screen, it's just – he kills me. Just every single time. I can relate to his nerdiness. I, I can't really relate to how you know robotic he is in a sense that he just does everything by the book and is so – you know, he's just so adamant about being the boss that he will do anything to get there. Um, but it, it, it creates for great. It's <laughs> see, like it, but it creates for great comedy. So I'll say, just in a, in a viewer standpoint, he's my favorite person to watch. Um, but my underrated character, and I think that a lot of people are not going to agree with me. My underrated character is Angela, and here's oh, wow. okay, Angela, in my opinion, is the most sane person in the office aside from her weird obsession with her cats. I'm not a cat person, but like, I feel like I would be that pissed off too. If everyone around me was just acting <laughs> like all the time, you see what I'm saying? So like, and like the yeah. way she talks to people, her attitude, I feel like I would like at this point in my life, I would get to that. I'd be her toward people. If I was just surrounded by that every day. So I think she's funny. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, oh, so you're nice. a big fan of the Dwight Angela dynamic. That really oh yeah, oh right. my god, sure. You love it. Oh wow, yeah. I didn't even realize funny. I did that. That's actually yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I didn't even realize that's, I did that's, that. Yeah, that's funny. I have no feeling. My <laughs> fingers are penis. <laughs> and and one I'll, thing, um, real quick, Jordan. One thing that yeah. I talked. I don't know if I was talking to you about this or maybe man, just early on. Like as I watch it through again, you pick up on the little subtle things oh, that you, yes, you wouldn't yes, know unless yes. you saw the whole season through. But in the yeah. first season, I forget what episode it is. Um, no, it's when Dwight's on the exercise ball. He's like, you know, it works your core. Oh, it, it's good for sex. And Jim's like, you're not having sex. And Dwight just doesn't say anything. He just stays yeah, silent. Right. Yeah. And then in the same episode, um, they talk about, or maybe it's a different episode. Anyways, Kevin talks about different, like relationship or something between uh, Pam and Roy. And Angela says, you know what? It's an office relationship and it only matters about the like, or whoever's involved that's that's their business it's nobody else's 
And Kevin looks at the camera and he says, relationships, like plural. And then it cuts. So I wouldn't have understood uh, that. You know? and, and they don't oh, even mention yeah. it. So you wouldn't know unless wow, you just yeah, that's deep. Kevin has a lot of subtle moments like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no doubt. So, sorry. I have a question yeah. for y'all when this, when this whole, when we get through this topic. I have an interesting okay. question. Right, I want to know your guys' favorite and underrated. All right, I'll keep it. I'll keep it going. Uh, I, 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 it's hard to not say Jim, but I'm not going to say Jim. But he's easily one of my favorite characters for so many reasons. Uh, my favorite character is actually probably Oscar. Uh, I think. Oscar's, oh boy, big shock! The you, the Mexican, of course. Mexican. Yeah, right. Of course. I think I think Oscar is one of the few quote unquote normal people in the office. Um, yeah. He, if you if you think about it, he's constantly like just like what the hell is going on in this office and there's so many times where he'll be going on a rant about something and since everyone around him is a crazy person for the most part it just gets lost it just gets lost in the air and and he'll just be like oh my goodness what is happening and there's so many funny scenes with him Uh, i love the dynamic with him and angela how there's that weird thing. they like hate each other for a while but then things kind of come around and they become really good friends and yeah oscar takes her in when she gets divorced yeah exactly exactly there's so many amazing oscar scenes i mean oscar's the star of like a lot of uh a lot of the gay witch hunt episode oh, uh, even even diversity day if you think about it that's yep. really a big i love when him it. and michael have an argument about you know real world like topics and, and uh, yeah yeah michael likes yeah and then michael and then and like everybody hates when actually all the time so factual and he has right. an argument with michael and michael ends up winning yeah right. he starts well, he's and i love that satire because yeah. what oscar's saying is is truth and rationality and then what <laughs> michael's saying is nonsense but that's like how it is in a lot of politics, mm-hmm. you know, the person who says this superfluous statement. So, yeah. Anyways, hold on. Oscar hey, is... hey, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Yeah. Easy with the politics talk. Yeah, now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, here we go again. Uh, so Oscar is my favorite character. Shout out, um, my underrated character. This is a there's a longstanding th- argument I've had. Karen. I think she oh. should have married. She and uh, Jim should have married. Um, she I, was in like four episodes. No, she wasn't. She was in a lot of episodes. She was in a ton. She was in a good amount. A ton. And and I no, she wasn't. No, yeah, she, she was. was. She was in at when least Jim moved. Three, when I Jim went to the different branch, she was. That in was all like the time. two. Ep- that was like two episodes. No, no, she was in at least two or three seasons. And then later on, after yeah. Pam, well, yeah, she transfers to yeah. The, he yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, she was in was two in like seasons. She was at the end of three in the like the beginning part of four. Yeah, no, so she, 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 she was in at least she was in at least like a season or more. Well, yeah. we're talking about underrated characters. This is an underrated character. Um, I liked her a lot. I love uh, Rashida Jones in general. Uh, and I thought her dynamic with Jim was really good. And mm-hmm. I thought they got along great. And I take offense to the fact that Pam sabotages that relationship intentionally. And I get it. I'm not saying that Jim and Pam don't work together. They do. And I'm happy for them. You can make but, that argument. Yeah. But, but I, I, I didn't see anything. And, and Karen even says this. She's like, I love that man. And, I, and I, she says something like, I love that man. I thought 
everything was going fine. And he left me on the corner of some street crying. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I was like, it's just an, but I also like it because it's real life. Like that happens. I, I, you know I, what I mean? I, I blame, I blame, uh, I blame Jim for that more than I blame because yeah, Pam didn't that's really fair. break them off because, because Jim never stopped being in love with Pam. Like even yeah, when he was it, dating, no, and Karen, that's an, he was always no, in love with Pam. hundred percent. That's an argument. And you're not wrong because Jim yeah. was the one that did that. And I, yeah. and I, what the argument that I'm actually building up to is it's a very realistic scenario where from oh, agreed. an outside perspective, you're like, oh, those two look great together. Why, agreed. Didn't, they, why didn't it work out? You don't know the details. Why didn't it didn't work out? Right. Jim right. loved Pam. And for some reason, right. he really wanted to be with her. So I just love Let's, that whole dynamic. And I just think Karen's a funny. I love her in Parks and Rec as well. So I, I think her characters in both shows yeah. work out great. I, um, uh underrated character. that that whole dynamic is one of the reasons why i owe uh office relationships is absolutely the worst idea in the history of mankind oh 100 um, percent. why you would ever want to date somebody that you work with is a ridiculous idea yeah no doubt like, i mean just look at that as for one reason and another reason like you could, you could like 100 percent ruin your career but oh that yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah, don't date in the office. My mom was my dad's boss when they met. Just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. well, you know, uh, blind blind squirrel finds a nut. Everyone. <laughs> That's All right, Dan. What's your years? Dan, you're up. All right, so everybody's afraid to say this, but I'm just gonna be real. It's the obvious answer. The best character in the show is Michael Scott. It's not even close. Yeah, no, that no that doubt. show that, that show The Office. It's great. It's fantastic. It it's built acting careers for tons of actors. That show would not have gotten off the ground without Steve Carell and the way I, that he agree. played Michael Scott. There are I so agree. many quotable moments. I mean, we have them all. Like we have a ton of them on here um, that I've played most of them already. But you know, I mean, when people think of The Office, they think of Steve Carell, Michael Scott. That's um, why a lot of people stopped watching it after. What was it? He left at the end of season six, was it? Seven. Season seven. Yeah, so that's why a lot of people like don't like see. I I disagree with this. I like seasons eight and nine, but it's why a lot of people don't like see like The Office after season seven is because Michael Scott's not there. Um, so he's my favorite. I think he's the most quotable. Uh, I think he goes from cringy moron boss that you don't like at the beginning to a guy that you are 100% rooting for at the end because you realize like he's just trying to find love he's trying to make a better life for himself like but he just doesn't know how to do it so he's like that lovable loser like by the end of his tenure on the show what's that I said the sad clown yeah exactly like the browns Um, (laughs) but yeah uh, that so he's my favorite character my underrated character, this was so my underrated character is Daryl. Okay. I was so thinking about I, him too. I love Daryl. I love his character. I love how he subtly he subtly treats Michael like garbage because he knows how big of an idiot he is. <laughs> uh, like I was like I was talking about earlier with the with the episode where uh, Michael and Jan come back from Sandals, Jamaica. And Jan wants to keep it hush hush, but Michael accidentally emails a uh, a picture that he thinks he's emailing to Todd Packer while he's talking yes. to him on the phone. 
and he emails it to packaging at Dunder Mifflin. And so he, he realizes it and he's like, Oh no. And he runs <laughs> down to the warehouse and he runs into Dwight's office and, or not Dwight, Daryl's office and Daryl's <clears throat> eating lunch. And he goes, Daryl did, uh, did you get an email from me that, that had a, a picture of it in it of, uh, like a scantily clad, uh, woman uh, on a beach. He's like, yep. <laughs> did, uh, did you happen to forward it on to a bunch of people? He goes, Michael, I'm very busy here. He's literally sitting there with his feet up eating his lunch. <laughs> and then they blow it up and they put it up on the wall. Yes. And, uh, yes. Um, he always gives Michael crap about him having the cushy office job and them being in the house. And uh, he's uh, in real life. Daryl, like, I can't remember his name. I feel bad, but um, he's like a really good musician and they bring mm-hmm. it into the show. Like when they, they make the, uh, they're doing the commercial for Dunder Mifflin and they're doing the, at first it's Dunder, the rap or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they yes. change it into an actual song. And Michael's like, no, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. Or uh, the karaoke where he's trying to, uh, save the Christmas party where he's like, don't worry, ladies, I'm going to go outside and get my synthesizer. And they all start chanting, Daryl, Daryl. Yes. Then he well, ends up being Jim's Darryl. business partner. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that, that storyline, by the way. I thought yeah, that was absolutely. so cool. That interview where he's like, basically like, oh, sorry, guys, I'm an idiot. I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. And they're like, dude, you're fine. Like this is a startup. Like we all Shoots came the, from crazy yeah. backgrounds. <laughs> and then and then it ends with Shoots the basket <laughs> and, it, and it knocks over the light into the fish tank and kills all. Oh, the- that's so <laughs> funny. That whole that whole sequence was great. I and I love how Jim and Daryl become business partners. Basically, I think yeah. So- they have just the awkward. Back- oh, Sorry, just no, to go, go back to like how you say that. Uh, you know, Daryl is always subtly making fun of Michael, and that that instance that you talk about how. He- yeah, like theme song for this commercial to be a little bit more, you know, urban. Let, let's make it a rap. And Daryl's just like, "What's rap?" <laughs> <laughs> oh Cause yeah, because Dar- because because he wants to hear Michael try and explain it because he knows right. that he's not going to. He's, he's always like exploiting Michael's ignorance, which is hilarious. That's, yeah. no, that's a Johnny, good way of saying it. I couldn't think a, of a good way. Yes, of saying it, that's, that's exactly what it is. He's constantly. Well, either exploiting or calling out Michael's nonsense <laughs> that he's saying, and I think, and I think it shows. I, personally, I took that as Daryl understands Michael isn't evil, but he has to learn some lessons. Like he's he needs dumb. To be, he's he's yeah, he, yeah, he needs to be called out a couple times. Like, hey, you can't just say, "Oh, you like rap, right?" Because I'm black. So, but he won't say it like that. Like he's going to yeah. make it so that Michael comes to that conclusion and realizes what he's doing. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Uh, and I love the uh, I love the whole dynamic about Michael always wants to use the warehouse equipment, but Daryl never let him use it. And then the one <laughs> yeah. time he uses it without asking him, he knocks everything over. And he goes, <laughs> Michael gets off the forklift. He's like, we'll get somebody to clean it up. And Daryl goes, we're the ones that got to clean this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a good one. Daryl's a great character. Excellent. So I love Daryl. So, so we are we are approaching uh, almost two hours. Yeah, we should. Really- so we should get this wrapped up um, yes, sir. Pretty, pretty soon. But one more thing I wanted to ask, as you know, I guess the moderator of this conversation, which is a very controversial topic. It's not if Toby is Grant uh, Strangler or not, because he clearly is. <laughs> uh, 
are Jim and Pam a healthy couple or does that dynamic work or basically like is Pam the perfect all-American girl or is she kind of the worst Jim? I'll jump in real quick. I'll jump in real quick because I, I thought about this a lot. I think I talked to my cousin about this. And at first I was kind of going on this rant about, oh, Pam's a terrible person, blah, 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 blah. And then he was like, is she actually a bad person or is she just a realistic portrayal of your average person? And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, look, all the things you're mentioning about her, right? That she, you know, whatever things she did, right? Isn't, don't we all do sneaky things? Don't we all do selfish things? Don't we all try to sabotage or don't we all get jealous of someone else's relationship? Don't we all, you know, try to, you know, jump ahead of, of other people and get a better position, whether or not we're qualified for it. Like, I'm not saying everybody does this necessarily, but I do think a lot of people do these things. And if you look back at our look, let's all look back at our lives. We've all done things that Pam's done. And I understand it looks bad on TV, but that's because it's calling us out almost. So I've kind of changed my perspective on it. Yeah, I do think at times she was being a little ridiculous in the relationship, especially when she was kind of trying to discourage Jim uh, from uh, basically taking his gym, uh, his dream job. But, mm-hmm. you know, she came around and did the right thing and, and being a happy story at the end. And I think that that's a tough decision she had to make to acknowledge that and to, to, you know, admit that and go forward. So that's my take on it. Right. I, um, I, I see where you're coming from. I, um, I don't think there is squeeze. Like as I listen to more stuff, as, as I watch the show more, I think they're as squeaky clean as I once thought they were. Um, and I'll start with Pam. I'll just start with the simple, um, simple fact that while they weren't dating at the time, Jim like encouraged her and implored her to go do that, uh, internship or go to school, like in New York, like go better yourself, go, uh, go to school. It's what you want to do, whatever. All like, um, he was very, like encouraging of her to do that, do more, like get out, do more, whatever. But then she doesn't return the favor when he at later in the show, when he wants to go start this company, build a better life for them, wants to go to Philadelphia. She wants to, she wants to stay in Scranton and stay in her bubble and not, not take any risks. Um, so that's, that's a, uh, thing that i don't really like i i I didn't like for her and and i i agree with you jordan these are all things that we've probably all done in our lives too whether we whether we realize it or not but i also don't like how uh she essentially led jim on for the longest time when she was like this is early in the show when she was engaged to roy and she was like committed to getting married to roy and everything and then uh jim makes the move on her they obviously both at that point they just hadn't said it to each other and then jim takes the step and then she shuts him down and then he moves and then when he comes back and he's in a relationship she only tries to sabotage it so like to me like 
Pam like likes to have her cake and eat it too. And that's why like I I don't think she's as squeaky clean as like the all-American like girl that that the show tries to portray her as. And I get it. Like the show went on for so long. It's so many episodes you have to write for. Like eventually, like pe- like characters are not going to do things that you want them to do. But I, uh, in that aspect, I think Pam is a little, I don't know, like backhandedly, like, I don't know. I, I just always, I always go back to the scene where uh, it's right after beach day and Pam talks about how she misses Jim and how she broke up her wedding for Jim. And then she approaches Karen about it. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not going to apologize for what I said. I meant every blah, knowing that Karen is in a relationship with Jim. And then you, they they break to Karen in like the confession room or whatever. And she's like, Pam is uh, kind of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah, kind of yeah. like my feelings with Pam is like, yeah, yeah. Man, like you portray yourself to be like innocent and like all this, but really you're not. And Jim's not a hundred percent Jim is at fault here too because like I said like a little bit earlier like he totally screwed over Karen totally oh hundred percent hundred percent almost like like how he got screwed over originally by Pam it's almost kind of like the same thing Mm -hmm. Um, but for him to like start dating uh, Karen even though he's still like isn't that uh, is like madly in love with Pam and is like never upfront about it. And even, even the first time when Karen confronts him, he says, no, that was a long time ago. Like it's don't worry about it. It's nothing, whatever. And then she comes back and asks him again. And he's reluctantly says like, yes. And that's like the downfall of their relationship. But yeah, so they're not as squeaky clean as uh, I once maybe held them to in that regard. Johnny, what are your thoughts? Um, I'll keep it pretty brief. I'm actually going to defend Pam a little bit. Um, Pam is wifey, first and foremost. Um, <laughs> second of all, I think that just in my opinion, from a, from how I interpret it and how I watched it, and I'm not trying to discredit how you guys took it at all because, I mean, obviously you can interpret it in many ways. Um, I was actually watching the episode the other day where she gets lice and like <laughs> living out the dream, literally playing basketball, something we'd all love to do, playing basketball with Dr. J, getting served a smoothie, getting free shoes. Meanwhile, like she is like, she caused Meredith to shave her head and like the office like hates her. So like, clearly she is not like, like she needs Jim in, in her life, obviously. But so like to go back to that point where you're talking about how, you know, she was kind of bad for not letting Jim go and do his dream job and was kind of like, holding back a little bit because of it what I, how i took that <clears throat> was i think that you know you got the the three main core or i'll say four main core characters in you know michael dwight jim and pam right and everyone kind of has their story you know dwight has, has been chasing this manager job michael had his full circle jim is coming full circle trying to get this job what is pam really what's her motivation here but I think Pam is more representative of the audience. I know this is getting kind of deep, but I think that Pam was written to kind of represent the audience, the audience in that moment where it's like, 
we don't want the characters to lead. We want people to stay the same and do their fun, wacky things in Scranton. We want Jim to be pranking Dwight and be happy and do all that stuff. So she kind of says it, and it's almost like a meta, a meta dialogue where she's like, you know, I miss the fun, pranky Dwight or Jim where you're having fun in Scranton. I think that she was meant to represent like the audience and like how we were supposed to come to terms with, okay, these characters are moving on. These characters are going to do something greater than what they were originally supposed to do. And then I think as Pam comes to terms with it, that's when we as audience members are supposed to come to terms with it as well. So I think that, yes, she's flawed, but are, are we flawed as the viewer? I mean, we expect so much, but like we didn't want Michael to leave, but, you know, he left. And as a show, as a whole, it's it was the right move. I mean, Michael yeah. had completed True. the circle. So well, I think I that that's kind of what Pam represents is like us as the viewer trying to hold on for dear life, you know, while things are changing. And that's, that's is definitely indicative of what happens. So that's interesting. That's yeah. That's a really good perspective. I really like that you bring up Mike. Yeah. We didn't want Michael to leave, but Mike, but he was so happy. Well, do you remember, do you remember that one scene? I, I don't remember. I think Pam or someone was interviewing, doing those fake interviews. They, Yep. And she was like, he was really happy. And it was like, that's what that's the whole, mo most, most of the office was Michael devastated and, and almost borderline depressed yep. that he didn't have kids. Remember how he wanted kids all <laughs> his life and, and he didn't have a, a true love. And when he finally did find his true love and the opportunity came that he had to move, uh, that was the right thing to do. Yeah, we, we didn't want to see that, but that's such a really good point you brought up there. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's I never thought of it like that. Hey, Jimmy, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, wow. Those three hey, pretty different perspectives. <laughs> yeah, kind of have to pee. Um, <laughs> let's see. I want to take a bit of everything you said. I understand everybody's perspective. Jordan, I really like yours because I think it's the most realistic um, perception of Pam because we're all flawed and... Yeah, she's under a microscope because it's a TV show. We're following her around this documentary series. So we see every little misstep she takes. And I think I was with Dan, too. At first, I thought um, she was just this perfect wifey, as Johnny says, and the all-American girl. And just I'm looking for my Pam, whatever it may be. You know, it, it's easy to do that. She's just so, so lovable. But um, I would say... All around, she is, Jim and Pam are a couple to aspire to, even though there's some bumps uh, in the road. I think it's very minor. I think everybody deals with, with more um, detrimental issues than, you know, Jim starting a new job in Philly and Pam not being okay with it, which is very understandable because she's two little kids and, you know, Jim just kind of, I, I don't know. It, it's understandable. I get where she's coming from. I think overall... I don't know who I would lean towards. Like I said, you guys have three kind of different perspectives, so it's hard to choose. I want to take a little bit from each. You all made some good points. I think all around, I'll say Pam's wifey. I, I think she is an all-American girl, but um, yeah, she makes mistakes, and don't we all? You know, you, you can't can't criticize her for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I'm just like, like people try to portray like their relationship as like perfect and like their perfect characters and whatever, but they all, mm -hmm. and like what Jordan said, like they're, they're like very, as TV characters are very human. You have their, like, yeah, like just like any one of us, like we've all screwed up relationships in the past. Like, 
like that sort of stuff. And I guess it's like a human aspect to it where they are human. So like if you really do look at it, I guess I'm looking at it as like almost like um, being like the devil's advocate for people who say like, oh, they're perfect or whatever. Like they're the perfect like couple, like, you know, stuff like that. So um, but I, I definitely do agree. Like they're very like human, like as far as like they deal with the same stuff that we all deal with on the daily basis in relationships and um you know so that that that's like my thinking of it but like i'm not going to ignore the fact that both of them do some shady stuff like along the way like in the show so that's just that was just my thinking yeah and like what yeah. jordan said that's just human nature you know yeah and it's i think I, a perfect show and i think that's why the show's so universally loved i don't even think i realized why i love the office until my cousin kind of explained that to me. It was one of my, one of the issues in the, you know, it's frustrating seeing people do shitty things on the office sometimes, but it's like, man, that's like how it is though. And, and, yeah. and, and I love how they rarely make a character out to just be evil. Maybe Todd Packer and some people like that. <laughs> Todd Packer sucks. He's hilarious, but he sucks. I think we also know people that are kind of like, where you're just like, man, I honestly don't know if that dude is trying to do anything good in this world. Um, but you know, so I don't know, even Angela, you know, all these people that were just frustrating, like doing really devious things, they kind of come full circle and you're like, look, we all do these things and we all also do good things or can change. The concept of change came up a lot in the office as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because there's so many characters in the show, but every single one has an important character arc to it. Um, so that's one of the great things about the show. and. It's, you know, the show was nine seasons long and each season after season one was like at least 20 episodes. So it, it's a it's a long show with a lot in it. So um, they do get to like everybody. But um, like we said, we could get we could talk for four hours on this. Yeah. But <laughs> we are we are coming up on two hours. So um, we're going to wrap it up here and, uh, uh, you know, say bye for now. We might come. We, we still have a long time before. Um, we're back talking about our normal episode topics because of uh, everything going on with COVID-19 and all that stuff. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we do this again and talk about some more office topics. But uh, for now, let's leave it there. I think it's a good place to stop. Um, want to thank Johnny for joining us. Uh, I know you're a big office fan. So you know, oh, yeah. we're looking for another way to get you on get you on the podcast here. And I think this is perfect. Um, so thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. Yeah, shout out Jimmy for the uh, booking of our guest this week. He paid yeah, me John. heavily. I just want to let you guys know that I am not cheap. Any yeah. viewers that have another podcast, you better get out the wallets. <laughs> have Good to, to know. Uh, Good yeah. to know. Um, this is Jimmy. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the truth? Yeah. That's I have a feeling in my fingers or penis. After a two hour episode, that's me that, right now. That's kind of true, too. I think we're all on yeah. the same page. Yeah, After a two hour episode, <laughs> it's been two hours and uh, I still don't know what to, what to do with my hands. Episode yeah, two, yeah. my podcast. I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, this is me right now as well, Michael Scott. Sometimes I'll start and I don't even know where it's going. It's, it's fair. So. That's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if there's an office topic, I'm sure we left out. We, it's so hard to cover this entire show. Uh, but 
if we left something out, uh, if you guys disagree with some of our takes on our favorite characters, our un, uh, underrated characters, our favorite episodes, all that stuff, hit us up on social media at the LOTL podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, we'll be posting stuff. We'll post the episode while you're listening to it. So it's already posted, but uh, <laughs> Friday morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so check out our website, lotlpodcast.com, where we have all embedded links. Um, going to be talking to Steve about uh, maybe doing a coronavirus article, uh, maybe, you know, almost like a journal, like talking about how it's affected him and people around him and talking about that. So that should be interesting coming up. Uh, I'm going to be talking to him this week. He doesn't know this yet. So if he's listening to this and I haven't talked to him yet, Steve, surprise. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so check that out. LOTLpodcast.com. And uh, yeah. So for Jordan, Jimmy, and Johnny, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land. This is episode 104, and we will catch you guys next week. Have a good weekend, guys. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, hang in there. We're going to get through this. See ya. Bye. Bye. See ya. Don't be surprised when it all comes.